0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Breanne Showman, and I am joined today by OCR elite Annie Doobie. Annie and I had a great conversation diving into her story as an OCR athlete and specifically how she made that transition from being more of a casual runner to an elite OCR racer. Regardless, if you are just starting racing or have been racing for a while, I think you'll take a lot of great information from Annie. So, whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So, let's tune in. Annie, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm doing well,
0: Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to talk to you, just to really get you on here and share your story, your experiences, because I think everyone, regardless of if someone's in Elite Racer or just to getting to OCR, I think everyone can learn from everyone's stories. So I'm excited to dive into your story. Um, so first and foremost, who are you? <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah, I guess
1: I would call myself an obstacle racer at this point. Um, I've been doing OCR now for a couple years. Um, and now it's like, I've, I've kind of got the bug. Like it's, it's definitely like my main focus right now as an athlete, like training and racing. And I'm kind of all in, this is the first year I'm doing like the whole Spartan series and all the like championship races. So that's been really Cool and exciting, Um, but yeah. Prior to that, I was kind of like the average. I would say like pretty competitive athlete, but not by any. I wouldn't ever call myself like even like an elite or a pro by any means. I was kind of um, just like racing for fun, training to stay fit, and um, kind of for my own sanity, (laughs) more or less. Um, So. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's like a little, a little bit of who I am. <laughs> so how did you
0: switch from just kind of being, because I know before you were just more of a casual runner, not really considering yourself athlete. Like how did you make, or why did you make that switch over to OCR?
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of just stumbled into it. It, like, I knew, I kind of knew what obstacle racing was, Um, but I like, like a lot of people thought it was more just like, uh, like the typical, like tough mudder, like running in the mud, getting dirty with your friends. Like I had no idea there was any sort of competitive aspect to it whatsoever. Um, and my first race was, um, I was, it was in 2018, uh, Arizona. I was training at the time for the Boston marathon and, I want to say it was like about a month before my friend from college was coming into town to come visit and talked me into doing it with him. And so uh, I was like, you know what, like I'm pretty fit right now. Like, why not? Let's run up some mountains and get dirty. And it sounds like fun. So we ran the open and um, I remember just having like the time of my life, like crossing the finish line. And wanting to just like actually do it all over again. Um, so I actually like ended up signing up for the competitive race the next day. Um, I had been, uh, volunteering the week prior with, um, Steve Hammond actually, um, helping mark the course. I'd found out that if you like volunteer, you get a free race entry. So, um, had kind of like built a relationship with him and he he like gave me the run of the mill on like, Oh, there's like prize money. if like you compete, um, competitively. And like, he knew that I was a fairly decent runner and like I had been rock climbing at that point. So he was like, why don't you just try it and see, like, I mean the worst that happens is you come in last and like, whatever, like who cares? So, um, so yeah, I ended up racing the sprint the next day and I think I, ran clean aside from missing my spear and placed like fifth or something so I was I was actually really intrigued at that point I mean I was still like training for this marathon I had to keep going with that but then like this was always kind of in the back of my mind like oh maybe after this race I'll like switch gears and train for another Spartan race and like see what like if I actually train for it and learn how to trail run and like get better at obstacles um maybe i could like keep keep improving in my age group so yeah awesome yeah
0: what has been cuz you're obviously training for boston you're more of a you were more of a road runner <laughs> yeah for sure what was that transition more to trail like for you
1: um yeah so i had like A little bit dabbled in trail when I moved out to Arizona from uh, the Midwest. It was like a totally new thing for me because like prior to that my idea of trail running was like cross-country just running on like super easy like flowy trails um, in the parks and like on golf courses and stuff. Like the, as the most technical it got was when there was some snow on the ground. So <laughs> like it was, um, it was a totally new thing to run in the desert. Um, like I had joined a couple of the, uh, local, like fitness groups and running like trail running groups. Um, and it totally kicked my butt, like running over the rocks and like figuring out how to navigate like technical terrain, um. I actually think the Phoenix area is like, uh, some of the toughest trail running, like at least compared to California, because it's, you've got like cacti to dodge and you've got like tons and tons of loose rocks, like all over. Um, and so it's like a different kind of trail running, but I'm actually glad that that's where I learned, like kind of like got my feet wet in it because now other trails don't seem quite as bad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, it was like a definitely, a definitely interesting transition because, um, there's, there's just like so much more to it. You have to like figure out like, okay, at some point, like an incline is so steep that it's actually more efficient to turn to more of like a power hike or like slow down your cadence. Um, and, and like, as a road runner, that's all like, totally out of the realm like you never like walk and race so uh yeah learning all that was like kind of cool kind of frustrating um but then like once I was hooked I was hooked and actually now like you won't ever find me running on the roads because I'm just not I don't like it anymore now I'm like a total trail junkie (laughs) yeah
0: I'm the same way like it's really funny. Cause I grew up in the Midwest and pretty much, okay. and yeah, same thing, cross countries, golf courses or parks. And then yeah, did the marathon half marathon thing and all that was on the roads. And then <laughs> um, continued on the roads, mainly when I moved down here to Phoenix. And then since I started running trails, I'm like, I hate running on the
1: road. It's like the yeah.
0: worst thing ever.
1: Totally.
0: It's interesting too. I never thought about the difference between trails here and elsewhere. Um, and I think, cause I learned same thing, technical trails here. And then I was in, where was I more recent most recently Zion running there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, yes, it was steep, but I was like, this was almost easy
1: <laughs> to a point
0: <laughs> I really thought about because we do have to deal with more of the like really loose rocks and not knowing if that rock is going to move underneath your foot.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: I'm curious just because it works the body differently from road running to trail running. Did you notice when you started trail running, like any like injuries popping up any, like anything that was kind of felt weird on you?
1: Yeah. I've been, I've always been like a super injury prone athlete. Like even when I wasn't running these, like this many races and stuff, um, like I, even back in high school, like I was constantly dealing with some tendonitis or whatever it was um and so actually I mean I I probably went through my biggest like I would say most frustrating injury um last year uh I think I think with COVID like I had this idea in my head that like I could just kind of do whatever I wanted every single day, even if my body wasn't necessarily like ready for that. Like I would just on a whim go out and run like 20 miles in the mountains with like tons of elevation gain in the middle of winter with snow, like in snowshoes or whatever it was. And like, I, there was no like build up to that point. It was just like, I had all this time on my hands, like suddenly, and I was just kind of going out to like kind of for my own sanity, basically, because there was nothing else going on. There was no races or anything. So um, I think that I had a little bit of like over, I was overdoing it a little bit. And um, one thing led to the next. And um, eventually, like around this time last year, actually, it was like a little bit after Labor Day. um, I was like, enough is enough. I had been having all this hip, hip pain and like Um, it was like all the way, it started in my hip, but then it was going all the way down the back of my leg through my hamstring. Um, and I was like, I I need to take care of this because at some point racing is going to come back and I need to like, be able to start healthy enough to build up to like a place where I can train. And, and it would just, it just didn't become, it wasn't enjoyable at that point anymore. It was like every day I'd wake up in pain. Um, and so yeah, what 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 it ended up being was I had a torn labrum in my left hip. Um and like through that whole diagnosis process, we found out I have like a some like pretty common but like undiagnosed uh condition that a lot of people have. Um, where like my femurs are like slightly too long. Um, and they're they don't like my my hip joint is like a little bit uh off, like the Uh, femur bone isn't like perfectly aligned with the socket and so it causes a lot more wear and tear on my hip than like um than it should and so I have like a lot of cartilage breakdown in there and then we're not sure like which was the chicken or the egg but like um at some point like I tore my labrum which also led to like this insane amount of Um, inflammation in my hamstring which is actually where the most most of my pain was so that um, that was really tough to deal with it was a lot of just like um, resting and cross training I didn't run for like pretty much until January of this of this year so it was like several months off of running Um, some like treatments that we're not really sure if it was like the treatments that helped or just like taking time off. Um, but ultimately I like got to a place where I felt healthy enough to start training again. Um, and, and thankfully like, um, up until this point, like it doesn't seem, I I think I have to like be okay with the idea that down the line, like my anatomy isn't changing. And so at some point this might require surgery. But, um, but at this point I'm like, you know, I have, I have pain every so often, but like, it's, it's manageable enough to the point where like, um, I'm not willing to take the risks involved with like getting it fixed, um, because that has, you know, that comes with a whole nother slew of like rehab and, um, and like complications and all of that. So it's been interesting to navigate for sure. Like this being my first big injury, but, um, but thankfully, like I have some great coaches who have helped me like strengthen my entire, like, um, like body enough to be able to train, um, in a way where it doesn't really affect my performance.
0: That's awesome. And I'd love that you can yeah.
1: even like
0: Surgery wasn't even an option. Cause I know so many people. And for me as a clinician, like it frustrates me that they like go that route, but some people are just like, "Well, yeah. oh, I have this tear. I need to have surgery. I'm like, since when does X equal Y? <laughs> like, why yeah. do these two have to always go together? So it, it's really refreshing for me to hear you. Like that was not even an option before, like maybe in the future, if absolutely necessary, but yeah, it's, it's not the
1: cure all for sure. Definitely not. I, I actually feel like I'm really lucky to have a doctor who basically told me I won't, I won't cut you open. Like it has to be so bad to the point where you are begging me and like jumping off the table, like begging me to open you up because like he, I mean, he's someone who himself has had like both his hip replaced. And so, um, he's, he was like a high, highly functioning athlete for all of his life and like knows firsthand like what that what that takes and like the mental toll the physical toll like all of that going through it so I think I actually am like thank god I chose this doctor because I think a lot there's so many doctors out there who will just say like all right like you tore your labrum I'm gonna cut you open fix it and send you on your way and like whether or not it like actually helps or whether or not you heal properly, like that's up to you. So, um, so yeah, I'm super thankful for that. And, and yeah, luckily, (laughs) luckily we're not at that point and hopefully we won't get to that point, but like, but just knowing that it's, it's a part of me and, um, it's something that like, I'm constantly cognizant of, um, is important because, uh, It definitely, like, impacts the way that I train and, like, how much, like, in terms of, like, being, like, a high mileage athlete. Like, I I just recognize the fact that I'm never going to be someone who's running 100 miles a week because my body can't do that. So I'm going to have to, like, make um, adaptations to, like, get to the point where I want to get to in other ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think, too, like, sometimes just knowing it, like not to know something to, for the fact of like using it as an excuse, but knowing it, I think for you is going to be like helpful to just do that other accessory work that a lot of people are just like, Oh, I don't feel like doing it today. I'm tired or it's boring. Um, whereas you just know, it's like, all right, this is part of my body. Like, we're just going to spend 10 minutes on this, on this one thing today or, Yeah what was your biggest struggle being more of a runner? Um, I know you mentioned doing some rock climbing too, but what was your biggest struggle with the transition over to OCR as far as obstacles?
1: Ooh. <laughs> um, I would say definitely like anything involving just like heavy loads. So, um, the first time I did the double sandbag in Tahoe, like it, it actually almost broke me (laughs) like I just I'm not someone who um it's like I don't know I, I feel like I'm a strong person but like when it comes to just moving under a lot of weight that is a completely new thing for me um I think I think I'm getting better at it but it's definitely something that doesn't come naturally to me and I almost get like at least in the beginning, I would get like almost panicky when I'd feel like how much weight it was and then try and like maneuver over this like technical terrain, especially going like down steep rocky um, hills and stuff that Spartan likes to send you on under that load. (laughs) So um, it's definitely something that I'm, it's like, I don't know if it's ever going to be something I'm, I consider myself good at, but um, it's been fun actually learning like how, like how to, um, prepare for that and kind of incorporate that into my training more because, um, I think it's, especially with Spartan racing, like that can make or break your race, um, in a lot of instances. So, um, but yeah, I would say, I would say like a lot of the hanging, the grip obstacles, the, um, the crawls, all of that, like actually came pretty naturally to me, but then like the heavy carries were, were my biggest struggle.
0: Was it just because you weren't like, you hadn't been training to that with that type of load before, or was it more of the odd object
1: type issues? Um, yeah, I'm not really a gym rat. Like (laughs) I, I much prefer to, um, be outside. Um, I, when I was working in like a corporate America, I, I actually did go to the gym almost every day, but it was like, I don't know. You're never, at least in the stuff I was doing, I was never put like carrying like awkward sandbags on my shoulders, walking around. Like, I think, um, it's a totally different, a different way of moving your body and, Um, it's something that like, you almost have to specifically train for, like, even if you're a strong person and can like deadlift a lot or squat a lot, uh, it's, it's different to like walk down a ski slope with a giant bucket on your shoulder. That's like banging against your neck. Like, I I don't know. I think, I think it's just something you have to specifically train for. (laughs) I would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Let's take a quick break now to talk about OS-first compression and bracing. It is commonly known that compression helps with circulation. We see that medically, decreasing your risk of blood clots, we see that on flights, using compression to decrease swelling, and even with racing, a lot of times we'll see it with decreasing or improving our circulation there as well. What you might not know though is We actually decrease the fatigue in our feet and legs when we use compression while training. Why is this? The added compression actually helps the muscles fire faster and better. So that means all those little small muscles in your foot and lower leg don't have to work quite as hard when you do every single thing you do. Long term, it means you get to perform better for longer. So check out OS First compression for yourself. Test it out. See if you get those amazing benefits that I notice for myself. You can head over to OSFirst.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GetYourFix at checkout, you can save fifteen percent. You can also head over to GetYourFixPT.com/partners and get a direct link to OS First as well as see all the other partners that I have some discounts for. And now let's get back to
1: the conversation.
0: How have you changed up your training in order to train for some of that a little bit better?
1: Yeah. So, um, I currently work with Rich Ryan as my strength cr- coach and he, um, we've kind of played with like different, different workouts to try and prep me for that, um, Luckily, we thought that there was going to be a double sandbag in, in Tahoe this year. And luckily there wasn't, but, um, for that, we, like, I was literally just carrying heavy objects on both shoulders or doing like, a, um, like a mixed grip. Like I would do like, um, like one, one front rack and then like a farmer's carry in the other, just like anything heavy and awkward and just going for a long extended period of time. so like three four five minutes at a time um with like I mean I got to the point where I was not breaking at all but in the beginning it was like break as little as possible basically um and then aside from that uh do like he has me do um more of like metcon I, I think he calls it where like I'll do like big step overs with underweight. So either with a sandbag or again, like with like uh, two dumbbells and then just like big steps over a box, because, um, again, like it's one thing to just like walk with weight, but when you're in a race and you have to like go up a big hill, that's like super steep. You're taking like these big steps and it can throw you off balance. So just figuring out how to like, um, how to just like maneuver under awkward weight is kind of the key. (laughs) Definitely makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um,
0: for anyone, since you were new to OCR at one point as well, for anyone new to OCR, like what would be kind of some tips that you would give them as they're kind of like getting into it, maybe coming up to their first race.
1: Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, I would say in the beginning, just like, well, one, have fun with it because I think, um, if you take yourself too seriously, you're just going to get frustrated. And the first, pretty much the whole first year that I raced, um, especially being an age group, um, I never really knew like how I was doing in a race. Like it was, um, like for those who aren't familiar and in Spartan in the age group division, like you're kind of just sent off in waves and they'll send off like other age groups right before you and right after you. So you'll, you'll be passing and be get passed by other people on course constantly, like both men and and women. Um, And so you don't really know like where your placement is. You don't know who's in what age group. You don't know who's, in like elite versus age group it's like all confusing so I kind of just like ran my own race and like did the best I could and um and then definitely like kind of took note of okay here's like what went really well this time and then here's what went like catastrophically wrong so like whether that be like gear choice or what I wore or like just how I felt, um, on course or, um, like, I remember the first time I did a mountain race, it was Utah. Um, and this, we kind of touched on this before, but like, it was the first time in a race where, um, like everyone around me was like walking up the steep hill. And I was just trying to like, I just kept trying to run up it. And I was like, Getting so tired that I would have to like stop for a second, and then I'd keep running, and then stop again. And like I found that that was like super inefficient, and so I had to train myself. Okay, like this is the point, or the, either this is the grade, or this is like the point when I feel like I need to like change my cadence or move to more of a power hike. Um, so just like taking little notes after every race, and um, and then like adapting for the next one. Um, and then for obstacles, I would say, I think if you're brand new to OCR, um, I think the most important thing you can do is just work on your like hanging and your, um, like if, if you can't do a full pull up, maybe do like assisted pull ups, um, and like work your way up to being able to do a full pull up because the longer the distance races, the harder, the obstacles get and, and, especially in terms of like being able to pull your full body weight. Um, and even, even I would say you have to get to a point where you can like lock off onto like, um, ropes and stuff because they've, they've actually made the rig quite challenging this, this year, in my opinion, as, as, a, as compared to how it used to be. So, um, I would say like baby steps with that, but like start with just dead hanging, Um, changing up your grip maybe use a towel to like get that vertical grip too Um, but yeah a lot a lot of obstacle racing just involves like holding your body weight um, and then pulling up as well Um, so last question another fun one early on biggest mistake that you made or that you realized was a mistake after the fact (laughs) oh I would definitely say Tahoe in 2019 was my most just well definitely disappointment like as far as like not even finishing the race um like I came into that race being more at least what I thought like the fittest I'd ever been um I had been training like running mountains um felt great just like with how how much I had improved with my running up until that point um but it just goes to show that like, you can be as fit as you want, but in this sport, like a mistake in terms of like what you're wearing or what you're bringing with you on course, like is the make or break on whether or not you'll you'll even finish, let alone like place well or win or whatever. So, um, yeah, I went into that race, like completely naive to like the elements and like how to, how to like, dress and prepare for snow wet like cold water all of that um it was my first first race that had had like pretty much all of that combined like it was snowing it was sub freezing we had a full swim plus we had like ape hanger where they're dunking us into like icy water so um it was like absolutely critical that you had um, some sort of like bag to keep your gear dry and then be able to like put on a layer after you were like thrown into that water because I went in with just like, like a Under Armour kind of like spandex. Like that's what we had raced in, in high school cross country. I thought, oh, like it's going to be cold. Like I had raced in the snow before and like I, I felt like I knew what I was doing, but no, when you are swimming in water, that cold and then getting out in the wind chill is like 10 degrees you have to have like a dry layer to put on because otherwise it's game over so yeah it was a learning experience for sure um but like I don't know yeah it was it was devastating (laughs) to say the least I think that race
0: was a learning experience for a lot of people and I don't think anyone really has answers because I've listened to a number of podcasts of people talking about like what they wore on that day and like everyone is different on how they like got through the elements <laughs> like it was just I wasn't there but like just the stories I've heard from talking with people like it was just a brutal day
1: I know it was yeah I mean there's some people who I think are just I don't know if they're like they've got better jeans than I do or they're just like better conditioned for those kind of those kind of like elements but like some of the girls who finished were wearing shorts and I was like I don't know like I was wearing you know long sleeve long pants and like I couldn't finish the race and like it so it just amazed me how you know people were able to to just like grind through it all basically like I don't know how else you can describe it but it it was it was absolutely brutal
0: (laughs) There wasn't a swim at Tahoe this year, was there?
1: No, no swim. Which so. it was actually kind of sad because it was like a nice, warm day. <laughs> like that swim probably would have felt great. Um, but I get it. They they are fighting fires here still, and like yeah. I think oh, the no. resources were limited. Um, I'm sure.
0: So. I'm, but I had that same thought. I'm like, you had them freezing in the rain. I know. It's was like finally a beautiful, finally day, a beautiful and day, they don't swim. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, not even a dunk wall. (laughs) Was there any water at all? No water. No. I think um from what I heard, Spartan like was really struggling to even get like construction equipment out to the venue because um so many resources were being used for the Caldor fire. Um and also the mountain is under major construction right now. They're building like this enormous gondola. So I think they were just like super strapped with resources and um and I also have a feeling that the venue was kind of like you're not you're not using unnecessary water in the middle of a drought like while we're fighting fires to fill this dunk wall <laughs> like right. <laughs> that's I mean I don't know that for, for sure, but like that's kind of my hunch. So um yeah no water on course sadly. Yeah which yeah. meant no ape panger which is like my favorite obstacle. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I thought a couple of weeks prior, I'd actually heard that there was talk that Taha was going to be canceled. So then when I heard that it was still on, I was like, wow, they're figuring out how to pull this
1: off. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, be, I actually couldn't believe it. Like driving up, I was actually driving from Utah to back to California and this smoke was so bad. Like, driving through western Nevada that I I couldn't believe it I was like how are they gonna put this race on with this much smoke and like it was just blowing my mind and then I got I got up to the venue and it was beautiful I was like oh I guess I guess like somehow with the wind pattern like the smoke was all being blown east and like that part that like valley was totally protected and it did get a little bit smoky later in the day on um on Saturday, but it was gorgeous that morning. Like no smoke. It was awesome.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Annie, if someone wants to just follow your journey or wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? <laughs>
1: um, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is mountain goat girl. <laughs> um, and Also feel free, yeah, feel free to just send me a message. I'm always happy to chat with people and, um, if yeah, training tips or just life talk in general, um, definitely feel free to reach out to me, but yeah, I would say probably Instagram. Cool.
0: And I have to ask, how did you get that handle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants to know this. It's actually funny. Like I, uh, um, I, a few years ago went on this like walkabout where <laughs> I lived in um, South America for a few months and I started, I was traveling solo and doing a lot of mountaineering um, down in Ecuador and Peru. And so I started a blog and I called it Mountain Goat Girl because it was all about like my climbing journey. And, um, and so I created the Instagram um, to go with it, but then I like I dropped the ball and like never posted uh anything. <laughs> so, but it kind of just stuck with me and and now I don't know, I thought about changing it, but now everyone is like I feel like it's I'm like now associated with that. So, I'm like trying to think, should I change it or just at this point just keep it? <laughs> just so, keep it. It's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of fun. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your story.
1: Thank you so much, Brianne, for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe, as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer a more resilient racer and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.